Thank you. Uh, all right, so, wow, quiet down in the back. <laughs> um, so I know pastor's doing the, was, has been doing the series on dispensation, and so I'm going to kind of, uh, I guess what I have is like a summary, really, of it, dispensationalism and what it is and um, what it means in the study of God's word. So I'm going to uh, start here. Let's see. You know, dispensationalism is really a system of interpreting the truth of God. That's the best way I could say it in like, like you know, a couple words. So um, I want to read, I'm going to read a few verses. Now, this is, uh, there's a lot here. And so I'm going to kind of go pretty quickly through it in order to get it in, into one lesson. And so um, we're going to look at some of the verses, but we probably won't look at them all. Um, but I'll reference them. And if you want to take notes and uh, study independently, of course, that's always the best way to do it anyway. So I'm um, going to look first at one verse in 2 Timothy. And it's uh, t- chapter 2, verse 15. It says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so we look at dispensationalism and, you know, that it's a system of properly interpreting the word of God. It's really the only system. So... um, it's not the only system, but it's the only valid system. And so a dispensation is a period of time in human history where God dispenses his truth through a very specific method. And so we see human history, of course, you know, from Genesis 1 all the way up to Revelation, it's going to be divided into these periods. Now, we hold that there's seven dispensations. Uh, some people count the seven-year tribula- tribulation as its own dispensation. So, um, you know, it's not something that we split hairs over or, or that we battle over. It's, um, it's just, a, you know, another kind of thought process on it. But really the tribulation period is uh, an extension of the law and it actually fulfills the law. So it's, we'll kind of look at that a little bit. But I'm gonna, again, I'm going to go through it pretty quick. But we, you know, this... This way that God dispenses his truth through his word, these dispensations, it's always and should always be in accordance with the word of God. And, and so that's important and, and goes back to that Second Timothy, right? Rightly dividing the word of God, the, the, you know, the study to show thyself approved. That's, this dispensational system will help us to organize and keep that. It's always been that way through 6,000 years of human history. God has had different specific ways in which he deals with humanity in which he offers his grace to mankind. Of course, guess what? Mankind fails every time. That's We know that, right? So I'm going to look at the first, the biblical structure of a dispensation. And so I'm going to read four verses, but I want to just going to go over this really quick, like I said, but Strong's Concordance 
G3622 and G3623. They, 3622 is the word oikonomia. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Now, oikonomia, there are several de uh, definitions and the definition C is administration or dispensation. And so the dispensation by the root word, it's to dispense, right? So, to, what, you know, dispensing the word of God. And so um, now the next Strong's 30, G3623 is oikonomos. So oikonomia is the root word. Oikonomos is the derivative of it. And that's interpreted steward. So we're going to see that this dispensational system is really a stewardship. It's a, it's a stewardship. Now in this, in the church age, we are the stewards, the church, the born-again Christian. It, it's up to us to, we have a responsibility. And, and we're going to look at that when we go through them. But so... This, in, this word stewardship is first mentioned in Luke chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Now the word steward appears before that in the Bible. But when you look at a steward, and then you look at stewardship, implies a responsibility. It, it implies a, you know, something that that steward is to do or... Um, responsibility really is the best way to say it. So I want to look at that. I'm going to read those four verses, Luke 16, one through four. And he said also unto his disciples, there is a certain rich man. Now, of course, this is Jesus talking, which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou may, mayest no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. To beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me in their houses. So in these four verses, we are shown the four main components of every dispensation, all seven dispensations in the Bible, right? We see, you know, each, each dispensation has a steward, a leading steward. It has a responsibility that is given to that steward. And then, of course, because we're human men, we see the failure of the steward to carry out that responsibility. And fourthly, we see the, God's judgment for that failure. When the judgment for the failure comes, that ends the dispensation. Then we go into the next dispensation. So we see that here, right? There was a certain rich man which had a steward. So the rich man is God. He had a steward. This is very basic components of this dispensation. The same was accused unto him that he'd wasted his goods. So he, the, he had a responsibility, he failed it. So he calls him and he says, how is it they hear this? So they give me an account of thy stewardship. For they, thou mayest no longer be steward. So there's the, there's the judgment, right? He's going to be put out of the stewardship. And so that's, in its simplest form, that's a blueprint of a dispensation. And so we see that in all seven dispensations. 
Now, now dispensationalism is the only system of interpretation which is defined by Scripture itself. It's inspired by the Word of God, like all Scripture. It's inspired by the Word of God. Now, I want to read two verses, and, and I just want to look at these quickly, but I'm going to go to them, and they're 2 Peter 1.20 and 2 Peter 3.16. And again, they're quick, and you don't have to turn there if you don't want to. We're just, I'm just going to... Just going to read them quick. So 2 Peter 1.20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Right? Scriptures, it's inspired by God. Like we just said, it's, it's of no private interpretation. So there, you know, God's Word is telling us, do not interpret Scripture in your own power, in your own self, in your own mind, in your own heart. It's, it's interpreted, it should be for us interpreted by the Holy Spirit of God. And so then, um, fast forward just another page to 2 Peter 3.16. Actually, it's one page over here. It says, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, W-R-E-S-T, like to wrestle, right? Rest, not, not rest. That they rest, an unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So there's that warning. If you are wrestling with the scriptures to make them say what you want to say, then you're gonna, that's to your own destruction, right? It's pretty easy to put a jigsaw puzzle together if you're willing to trim the pieces with a pair of scissors to make them fit, right? So, so we're not to do that. We're not to put our own will into, into discerning the word of God, into interpreting the word of God. The Holy Spirit will do that. It's defined in scripture itself. And so that's a, you know, that's a private interpretation, right? So we look at God's interpretation versus, in pri- versus a private interpretation. And basically that's those two verses are saying, don't wrestle those words and don't, you know, it's gotta be inspired by God. So that's, that's very important. And, and it's, it's paramount to this whole thing. And so that's why the dispensational system is self-defined in scripture. We don't, we don't cook it up in our minds. We follow along in Scripture. Now, I'm going to go through each dispensation and, and, and you know, to, to fit it all in one lesson. We're going to go pretty quickly, but if you want to take notes, there's a lot of verses, and some of them we'll look at, but most of them we probably won't. So the first dispensation is the, the Edenic, garden, named after the Garden of Eden, right? Eden, Edenic. And that's the age of innocence. Now that covers the period of scripture from Genesis 1 through Genesis 3. So the Edenic dispensation or the dispensation of innocence is only three, it's three chapters of the Bible. So the leading steward, Adam, right? Of course, of course it's going to be Adam. Who else is there? 
Like Adam is the only man, right? And then, and then, of course, he gets a wife. And so the responsibility is, and we see in Genesis 1.22, to be fruitful and multiply, to plenish the earth with people, right? And also it's to dress and keep the garden. We see that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And in that responsibility, he's given one restriction, right? Don't eat the fruit in the tree in the midst of the garden. Now, we get to the failure. He doesn't do that. He eats the fruit, right? So the judgment for that failure is expulsion from the garden and sin nature is bestowed upon mankind. Now that's, that's probably the easiest one. It's very simple. There's not a lot of confusion there. We're starting off in a very basic thing because Adam's the only, who else is going to be the steward, right? The, the, the responsibility is very simple. The failure is simple. We can see that. The judgment, they're exposed, exposed from the garden, or expelled, expulsed from the garden, if that's even a word. And so that's important because, um, you know, that was the easiest chance we ever had to have God's grace, Right? Here's paradise. Go enjoy it. Right? You don't, you know, sit around. You don't, you don't have to till. You don't have to plant stuff. You don't have to worry about where your food's coming from. All you got to do is show up and enjoy it. Oh, one thing. Don't eat that fruit. What does man do? I got to have that fruit. Right? And we're going to see through these dispensations, and we know anyway, mostly, where does man always get in trouble? God says, do this. Man says, ha, I got a better idea. I'm going to do this instead. Failure. That's where it comes from almost every single time. And so we see that here in, in that first dispensation. So chapter three, dispensation, innocence, Edenic dispensations over. We move to the age of conscience, the Adamic dispensation. Again, chief steward is Adam. This covers the duration of scripture from Genesis 4 through Genesis 7. So now it's four chapters. The stewards Adam and ultimately Adam's sons because we see that stewardship passed down through his lineage to his sons. The responsibility is the same. Be fruitful and multiply. It hasn't changed. And, you know, plenish the earth with people, right? That's, that's, we're still seeing that same thing. Now the failure is when the seed of man is corrupted, right? That's, now we see that in Genesis 6. Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Again, I'm not going to go there. The daughters of men, the sons of God come down and they get together with the daughters of men. They have giants on the earth. They're these people, they're human, but they're kind of not human. They're sort of, you know, they're human, but they're different, right? They're genetically modified. That's what's going to happen to us. We take the vaccine, we'll be genetically modified, that's another subject, whatever. But that's, that's the failure because when that happened, the seed of man going forward was corrupted. It was, and, and so now, of course, we have that sin nature and, and we had that from the first dispensation. Um, the judgment is, comes in Genesis chapter seven, right? God destroys the earth with a flood. So we get through Genesis chapter seven, dispensation's over. Now we move to the third dispensation, which covers the period of time from Genesis 8 through Genesis 11. Again, just four chapters. So at the end of this, we're only going to be at Genesis 11. We've already been through three dispensations. And this is the dispensation of human government, the Noahic dispensation. Now we see a theme, right? They're 
who's the chief steward? Noah. They're naming the dispensations after the chief stewards, largely. So Noah is, he, he's the steward. And ultimately, again, it goes to his sons, passes to his sons, to his lineage as well. This is the first time we see man governs, him, governs himself for the first time. Uh, so we see that in Genesis 9, 6. So, so Noah and his sons are the steward. Again, the responsibility, be fruitful and multiply, same thing. We see that in Genesis 1, 2. Now he's reminding man of that again in Genesis 9, 1. So we're in that dispensation, Genesis 9. That's the responsibility Noah again is given. The failure comes in his refusal to scatter. Genesis 11, we see the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11, 4, he says, uh, you know, paraphrasing, let's build a tower to heaven lest we be scattered. Well, how did you think you weren't going to have to be scattered? If God's telling you, go forth, be fruitful and multiply and plenish the earth with people, what's your plan? How are you going to do that unless you scatter? You can't, all of you can't go to one room in the basement and expect to plenish the earth with people. And so they, here we go again, right? God says, do this. Man says, well, I don't, you know, I don't know if we're going to do that. Well, I got a better idea. Let's build this tower and we'll go to the heaven. God will see, you know, it'll be awesome. No, that's not what God wanted you to do. So that's the failure. What's the judgment? God scatters them. Genesis 11, 8 and 9. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, read Genesis 11, 8 and 9. Should have put a bookmark there. Uh, I did. I did one. Just f fell in. Huh. I was more organized than I thought I was. Genesis eleven eight nine. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore, in the same. In the name of it, called it Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. So God says, I told you to scatter. You didn't want to scatter. Now guess what? I'm going to scatter you. He confounds the language. Now, if they had listened in the beginning, would he have confounded the language? Boy, that sure would have made missions work easy, wouldn't it have? Going forward, like, isn't that one of the biggest barriers? We can't speak to the you know, Indians in the Amazon rainforest because they don't have Bibles in their language. They speak a different language. If they had, I can't help to think, but if they had been obedient and scattered themselves like God told them to do, maybe that would have been, you know, there's always consequence for sin. Yes, Mark? Sure. As long as it's not too long because I'm racing against the clock. Okay. Let us go down. Okay. Huh. I missed that. I didn't even see. I didn't even. Okay. 
Yeah, that's good. I completely didn't even, I, I went, that went right over my head. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Huh. So, okay, so God scatters them, and that's the judgment. So now we move to the next dispensation. It's the age of promise, the Abrahamic dispensation. So God makes a promise to Abraham. Abraham is going to be, of course, the chief steward and his lineage, which is the nation of Israel, right? Because Abraham ends up passing away, but the nation of Israel is alive still today, and they are inheritance of those promises. So we see that in this Abrahamic dispensation, God makes certain promises to Abraham, blessings, right? He's going to bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you. Throughout the rest of Genesis, God makes certain unconditional promises to the nation of Israel. That's important. They're unconditional. They don't, so this is something that he's giving them. There's nothing they have to do. There's no, you know, quid pro quo, quid pro, quid pro quo so to speak. So the duration of this is Genesis 12 through Exodus 19. So it's a little longer, it's a little longer period of scripture. And the steward, of course, Abraham and his lineage, the responsibility is to inhabit the land of Canaan. And we see that in Genesis chapter 12, verse 6, 7, and 8. So that's the responsibility that Abraham's given, and that responsibility later goes to his lineage to the nation of Israel, inhabit the land of Canaan. Well, the failure in that is Abraham forsook the land of Canaan. He went his own way. He went to Egypt, right? He took his eyes off the promises. Look at, in Genesis 12, we see that, you know, verse 10. Let me, let me go there. Genesis 12, verse 10 says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Okay, so he, you know, look, I'm going to, I want to go back here to Genesis 12, 1. I should have read that. I want to read, just read a few verses. Genesis 12, and read like one through three. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless you and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Wow, right? So God comes to Abraham and he says to him, go, inhabit the land of Canaan. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless all your children. I'm going to bless your families. You're going to bless other people. There's going to be blessings. Those that bless you will be blessed. Those that curse you will be cursed. So how does, how does 10 verses later, he, he's there and there's a famine. What does he do? Well, I got to go to Egypt. There's food in Egypt. Whoa. God just told you to go to Canaan. He told you he's going to bless you. He told you, you know, he's going to take care of you. You lost sight of that already? Already you're going to Egypt? God never told anybody to go to Egypt. Well, he told Mary and Joseph to go to Egypt with Jesus, but not the continent, not the country in North Africa. 
He never told anybody to go to Egypt. Egypt represents the world system. Money, corruption, greed, right? Immorality. Like Egypt is representative of the world. God did not tell Abraham to go to Egypt. He didn't want anybody to go to Egypt. He said, go inhabit the land of Canaan. And here's all these promises of how awesome it's going to be. But yet again, God said this. Abraham said, oh no, there's famine. But what am I going to do? I got a better idea. I'll go over here. There's food, right? So you're getting away. You're taking your eyes off what God told you to do. You're going under your own steam. That always leads to trouble. And so here we go again, right? So we see that he takes his eyes off those promises. What's the judgment? The nation of Israel becomes slaves in Egypt. They, they, be, they become slaves to Pharaoh, right? So this, this, this Abraham dispensation, I'm going to, Wednesday night, God willing, I'm going to do... I'm going to get more in depth with that because when I was reading this, it brought thoughts of a lot of different stuff like applications for us. And so I'm developing a message. So for those of you that come out on Wednesday night, um, hopefully you'll come. That will be, I'm going to, hopefully it'll be good. I'm going to try to, we're going to look a little deeper into this Abrahamic dispensation and some correlations to us. So, okay, so the judgment, they become slaves. We move to the fifth dispensation, the age of the law, the Mosaic dispensation. Guess who the steward is? Moses, right? Moses and ultimately the nation of Israel, right? Chapter, uh, Exodus chapter three, God calls a new steward. He calls Moses. Uh, he comes to him, the burning bush experience, three verses one through nine. Um, then in, in 310, he's called to lead Israel out of Egypt. Now, of course, we know Moses isn't going to make it to the promised land. Um, Joshua takes over. That's a whole, whole different story. But, but this is, he's the steward. The responsibility he's given is to provide Israel with a detailed moral, civil, and governmental code by which to live. He, the law, right? Now, of course, we know that man's going to fail because we always do. So he come, you know, he goes up Exodus 20, he goes up Mount Sinai, he gets the Ten Commandments. Right? He's not even hardly got his feet back down on the ground at the bottom, and they're already molten down the gold and making golden images. It's like, well, okay, you know, again, man, do your own thing, because that always leads to good results. And so, you know, and throughout the Old Testament, there's more, I don't know, Pastor, I'm sure knows the number off the top of his head, how many laws in 600 and something, or uh, 639. So there's all these laws that they come up with, we can't keep them, and, and that's, okay, so that's a fail. The failure is Israel rejects the law. We see, you know, when we see that they made the golden calf the whole time through that, they, okay, first, you know, we got a system of judges, Book of Judges. The judges are kind of like the rulers, right? Fails. Then that doesn't work. We go to a system of kings. We see kings and chronicles. The kings are in charge. That doesn't work either. Later on, the books of prophecy. You have prophets telling you, mankind, this is how you should live. 
What do we do? The exact opposite, failure, 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 all the way through. Uh, no surprise, you're not gonna fail when you try to keep the law. So that happens. Then there's 400 silent years between Malachi and Matthew, during which time Israel just dreams up all its own crazy rules and all that fails to the judgment. God sends the nation of Israel into captivity. Now, they never fully and have not to this day fully regained their, their place of prominence. They have not regained their promise. And so they're going to be but they haven't yet. And so, you know, we see that, that's the failure. That's the judgment, rather. And then that brings us to the next dispensation, dispensation six, the church age, the age of grace. It's where we are today, right? Who's the steward? Who's the chief steward? Now, this covers Matthew 27 through Revelation, the end of Revelation 3, because Revelation 4, we see the rapture of the church. That's the seven-year tribulation. So, that period of scripture from Matthew 27 to Revelation 3 is the church age. It's the age of grace. It's the dispensation that we are living in right now. The steward, the chief steward was Apostle Paul. And ultimately, his spiritual descendants. I want to read Ephesians, Ephesians 1 and 2. Okay, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. He's saying this, I've been given this dispensation for you, to give to you. So, um, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So Paul is the chief steward. The chief steward, the lineage of chief steward is Paul's descendants, not his physical descendants, his spiritual descendants. The church, us. Today, right now, if you are saved, if you are born again, you are the steward of the age of grace, of the church age. So am I. So is pastor. We all are. That came, that was passed on to Paul. We're spiritual descendants of Paul. Paul started the New Testament church. So we see that's the stewardship. Paul pens 13 books of the New Testament, and it lays out the mission and the function of the church, the responsibility, the great commission, go forth into all nations, preach the gospel, and um, make disciples, uh, you know, do works and missions, right? That's the, that's the responsibility the church is given. That's responsibility we're given. That, that's, our, that's our charge, right? Now, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 9. I'm just going to read 17, one verse. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if I, against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. Right? What he's saying is, he, I don't have a, he doesn't have a choice. It's, it's a command. It's a necessity. The same thing for us, right? It's not like, hey, if you feel like it, 
go witness. If you feel like it, make disciples. If you feel like it, support missions work. No, it's not a choice. It's a command. It's, a, it's the responsibility that we have. We don't get to say, well, I'm not, not going to do it. But, of course, we do because what does mankind always do every single time? We fail. So, and that's part of the plan. Now, the failure is the church falls into apostasy. Apostasy means falling away from a previous standing position. And in the, in the case of the church, that is, that standing position is sound doctrine. Apostasy for the church is falling away from sound doctrine. And that's the failure, or going to be the failure. It hasn't come yet, although, yeah, I think, it, I think it, we've started it. But we haven't, been, we haven't failed yet. Now, I want to read 1 Timothy, a couple verses. I want to read 4.1. And let me just get there quick here. Yeah, 1 Timothy 4, 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Right? That's apostasy. And in a couple pages over, chapter 6, verses 3 to 5. Let's see. Is that right? Yeah. Sorry. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. So this apostasy, this turning away, it's from sound doctrine. Now, I know I've said this before on a Wednesday night, right? We talked about the failure of the church age. The church is going to fail. We don't get to Revelation. We don't get to the rapture without the failure of the church. Now, you, me, individual Christian, we don't have to fail. Local New Testament church, Harvest Baptist Church, we don't have to fail. But the church in general, the church in whole is going to fail. And, it, and it, because if it doesn't, we can't move to the next dispensation, which is the millennial kingdom. So the, the, the failure is apostasy. And, of course, the judgment is the failure of the church. Now, in that, see, in, when we get to Revelation 3... There's letters to all seven churches. And they're like kind of like report cards, right? So the writings to the church is like, hey, you know, you did a few good things. You did a few bad things. You did this. It was good. I commend you for it. You did this. It wasn't so good. Maybe you want to work on that. Well, we get to the last church, the seventh church, the church of Laodicea. Nothing but rebuke. There's nothing good. It's all rebuke, Right. And there, it says, uh, paraphrasing, you know, you're increased with riches and goods, but yet spiritually, right? So, like, is that kind of where the church is today? We have, living in this day and age, we have more resources than we've ever had before. 
we had more, you know, more, more uh, things at our disposal, computers and, you know, internet and TV evangelism, and we've, we're increased in goods, and, and we've got everything. But yet, would, do we have a spiritual eye? Do we have eyes to really see what's going on? Do we have, so, so I believe the correlation could be made in the final days of the church age to that church Laodicea. And is it just coincidence that the letter to the church Laodicea happened to be the seventh and final letter? Is, it, is, it, is that a coincidence? I mean, maybe it is. I don't, this is where I don't want to cross over that line and get into private interpretation, right? But let's just say what it is. It was the seventh letter. It was the seventh church. There was nothing good. And then Revelation 3, now we get to the millennial age, the kingdom age, the millennial age, right? Now, now before that, because that's Revelation 20, Revelation 3, we don't hear anything about the church after that. The church is over. Revelation 4 opens up with what we know as the rapture of the church. And so Revelation 4 to Revelation, through Revelation 19, is the seven-year tribulation period. So again, that's not, by our standard, by our belief, that is not its own dispensation. That is, if you look at the chart, it comes under from the law, and the really Revelation is like, I don't know if there's the right way to say it, it's a fulfillment of the law, right? So, so some people count that as its own dispensation. That's how they get eight dispensations. We, we're not splitting hairs because it, it's not worth arguing over and it's not worth dividing over. It's a minor point, but it's one that I believe we have the right position on. So there's seven. So the dispensation, that's why if you follow the timelines on this, it's kind of we lose that Revelation 4 to Revelation through Revelation 19. It's outside of that dispensation because it's, it's tacked onto the, the law, the Mosaic law. So, so kingdom age, the millennial age or the kingdom dispensation is just the rest of Revelation 20. And that's, you know, the steward is the Gentile nations. The nations of the world that passed from the tribulation into the millennial age. And, and I'm going to read Revelation 20, verse 4. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. So those are the Gentile nations that they worshiped Jesus. They didn't turn away. They didn't, they followed through that seven-year tribulation period. They refused to get the mark, right? So here they are now. They're in the millennial kingdom and they're the stewards of the millennial kingdom. And their responsibility is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ on his throne in Jerusalem. Failure, they rebel, right? Thousand years is over, Satan's loosed, um, the end of the millennial, and thousands and thousands, it says, uh, let's see if I have this, 27 and eight. 
And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, together them, uh, to gather them together to battle the number of whom is at the stand of the sea. So as the sand of the sea. So it doesn't say that every single person that was in the, you know, the Gentile nations that went forth from the tribulation to the millennial, it doesn't really say that every single one of them, but certainly they're the sands of the sea. So, I mean, the argument could be made, but I, I believe there's probably a remnant, right? Just like when the church age fails, there's going to be some Christians that are going to, we are not going to be part of that failure because we did those things God told us to do. So even though the church fails, we personally don't fail. And I think, I think we're seeing that there too, right? So, so it doesn't say, but it probably does if you have a better understanding of the scripture and can really delineate it all. But there are going to be a remnant that's, gonna, that's not going to fail in that period of time. The, the judgment is the great white throne of judgment. That's the remainder of chapter 20. That's the end of dispensations. Revelation 20 and 21 is eternity future. That is outside the realm of human history. It's not part of a, of a dispensation. It's eternity future. The wisdom, the wisdom of the dispensational system. So why, why all this? Why, why all that? all those dispensations? Why all those systems? Why not just fast forward to the end? Did God know that mankind was going to fail? Of course he did. So why didn't he just cut to the chase, right? Well, let's, let's rapid fire go through these, right? Number one, the age of innocence. There it is. Enjoy it. Have fun. You don't do nothing. It's the easiest one you're ever going to have. You fail, right? We go, well, you go to the age of conscience, Maybe, maybe you needed to have something in you that set, told you right from wrong. That's conscience. So let's try that. Nope, that fails too. Human government. I know, I'll put somebody here to tell you what to do. Then all you got to do is listen to them. Nope, that failed too. Right? Promise. I give you a leg up. I'll make you promises. I'll bless you. And I'll have other people bless you. And those that bless you will be blessed. And this is going to give you a great advantage. Fail, 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 right? I know. Maybe I'll make a system of laws. I'll spell it out and I'll make it perfectly clear what you got to do so it'll be easy for you again. Nope, fail, fail, fail. How about I just give it all to you? How about I just say it's a gift? You don't have to do anything but believe on my son as the savior and you'll be saved. Well, we fail that too. So by doing this, by going through this system, he has given man every possible excuse is taken off the table. Man can't say, well, I know we failed here, but if only you put something inside me that made me know right from wrong. Well, I did that. That was conscious. Well, well maybe if you had, you know, if you had a set of rules... I did that too. You failed that too. So man now is left without any excuse. I only have another minute left. Man, man now is without excuse, right? So now going back to rightly dividing the word of God, this dispensational system allows us to rightly divide the word of God. It, it's a tool for us to use, right? Because as we go through the Bible, we can use this, 
right? It's three things to do with the, learn of God, the word of God. Learn it. Learn it properly. Rightly divide. That's key. Rightly divide. Right? No private interpretation. Live it and live it right. Second, I'm not going to go there because I know we're running out of time. You can look it up if you want. Second Timothy 1, 13 and 14. Live the Bible. You know what? I am going to go there because it's, it's not that far away. It's only going to take another minute. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, 13 and 14 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. Live the word of God. Live it right. And share it. Give it away. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in, Jesus, that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Pastors, teachers, right? Share it. Three things we, do with the, we should do with the word of God. Rightly divide it. You know, learn it, live it. Learn, learn it properly. That's rightly divided. Two, live it, live it right. Three, share it, give it away. Don't be a secret agent, right? And when we, if we can do those things, we can be successful in having, not having private interpretation, again, having God-spired interpretation. I want to give a little personal challenge. I wrote out notes that are on the pew of the dispensations, the seven dispensations, if you, and you, you can do it from your own or use those notes, when you read through your Bible, if you like to read through your Bible daily, always know what dispensation you're in, who the steward is, what the responsibility is, where the failure is going to come, what the judgment is going to be. I think you'll find that as you do that, it, it, it gives you an understanding maybe that we didn't, I know for me it did. It gave me an understanding that I didn't previously have. And so it's an important tool. So that's just the challenge I want to issue. If you're interested in doing that, I think it could help, right? So live it, learn it, share it. Holy Spirit of God, I thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity to look into your word. And Lord, to, to allow you to, to lead me, Lord, I... I hope and pray, Lord, that I didn't say anything wrong. I know this subject can be in-depth, but I, I thank you for it. I thank you for what I believe, Lord, is an understanding of it that you give us through your word, that it's all right here, Lord. It's in these pages. And I thank you for that. I thank you for giving us access to your word. I thank you for giving access to you, to you Lord, directly. I thank you for all you do in our lives, all you do here in this ministry. I thank you for faithful men of God, who lead and who teach us, Lord, and the blessing that they've been in my life. And Lord, I just pray that you continue your work here, even though we're moving rapidly toward that time of apostasy, Lord. Don't, Lord, give me the strength not to fail. Give me the strength to, to carry on and to, Lord, to rightly divide your word and to speak your truth forever, Lord. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.